All gas, no brake. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. It is a victory Tuesday here, and this is your guy, John June. And, of course, would not be a show without my good friend, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what's shaking, man? What's going on, John? How are we feeling? Good victory Tuesday, brother. It's a victory Tuesday. I got my fuzzball Jets hat on. Uh, so, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling good, man. You know, the cold weather's coming. So uh, here in this northeast, especially if you are a Jets fan, I'm assuming you're in the northeast. But, you know, we do have Jets fans from other parts of the world and whatnot. Um, but I'm going to have my, you know, obviously my Jets hoodie and my fuzzball hat. Uh, and obviously we see Frank over there in his hoodie uh, and rocking his uh, veterans uh, gear there with the New York Jets uh, camouflage hat. So, Frank, we are celebrating a win here. The New York Jets defeat the Houston Texans by a score of 21-14. to Uh, I picked this game correctly, just going to say it. You know, I did choose our guys to win here, but – this was a you know up and down game. Uh, you know we saw a, obviously the 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 big story was the return of Zach Wilson coming into the game. That's obviously not the story coming out of it. Um, but we we saw an up and down game, a, a game where they actually had to fight, uh, a game where they had to face some adversity. And all in all, they end up pulling out this win here. Um, what were your overall thoughts on the game? And, and you know what were you know. How did you feel? I guess, what are your feelings as we sit here Tuesday? I like the fight in this team, right? Um, Like, this team doesn't ever quit. They got a bunch of good character guys, I think, on this team. Uh, Like, you see the youth all over the field. They look like they're a fast – like, they definitely look like they're a whole lot faster than they were last year. And – you, we start seeing the play calling on both sides that the, it's starting to get a little more imaginative, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I like I like the RPOs that they ran with Wilson, which we've been calling for pretty much all season to start using Wilson's strengths. Um, and it looked like Ulbrich dialed up some blitzes against that uh, porous Houston offensive line. Like uh, Quincy Williams had a couple of nice delayed blitzes, which was awesome to see. And then our guy, JFM, with the interception. Yeah, it was definitely good to see, you know, this coaching staff come of kind of come out of their rut a little bit, uh, especially defensively. You know, we had kind of expected so much of them based on what we'd seen to start the season. And just recently, it seems like they had kind of reversed course a little bit and and we're trending in the wrong direction as a defense, but this performance here, I mean, we said it just last week The this defense is, it seems like it's at its best when your two inside linebackers are CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams. And we see that again here, Quincy Williams in the middle, 
obviously has another fantastic day. Um, you know, obviously the defensive line, like you mentioned, JFM, Quinnen, uh, just being disruptive. You know, we saw obviously the, you know, the play of Bryce Hall gives up the touchdown early, uh, give, you know, gives up the touchdown early to, to um, Brandon Cooks on a, a great throw and an even better catch. You know, nothing Bryce, Bryce Hall could do about that. But then to bounce back like he did, make the game the game ceiling play, you know, in uh, at the end of the game there on the pass deflection. And then, you know, looking at the play of these young corners, like Michael Carter the second, like we, we talked about him all the time, all season, basically. Uh, you know, he's been one of the best young corners in, in all of football. Uh, you know, as we sit here through 12 weeks, uh, you know, we, we see what Jav, Jav, Javelin Gidry has done on the outside. I think he's been really solid there. I mean, shout out to DJ Bienemy, friend of the show, who came on. And he said that he thought that Jav Gidry would actually start the season out as the outside corner um, opposite Bryce Hall. But it didn't come to fruition that way. But but when when Brandon Echols has been out or there has been an injury there, it's always been Javelin Gidry playing that outside corner spot. And I think he's, again, played some solid football there. And then this kid, Elijah Riley, man, comes out of nowhere, um, you know, undrafted free agent. or I don't know if he was an undrafted free agent exactly, but um, was signed off the street essentially and was made a starter. And everyone's like, why is this kid starting? Why is this kid starting? And two weeks now, I mean, he's pretty much solidified, helped solidify this back end a little bit that was, that's been hurting with some of the losses that they've had. Um, what were your impressions of some of these young guys, you know, the defense, especially that's filled first and second year players, like almost across the board. What do you, what are your been, you know, what have your thoughts of, you know, have their development to this point in the season? Well, you touched on hall and that, that touchdown pass to cooks is, you know, there's nothing he could do. That was perfect ball. Cooks is a great receiver, but for him to come back, like with the with the game on the line, for him to make that play, that that was everything. That's everything that I wanted to see out of him right now. Uh, Hall had three tackles, three solos, a pass deflection. Same thing for Gidry. Uh, MC squared had six tackles, and four of them were solo. Uh, Quincy, seven tackles, four solo. Like, Quincy Williams is really starting to become a a really good – like, I didn't want to be hyperbolic last week when I, I was kind of downplaying Quincy, but Quincy could be special in this defense. I, I don't, I don't want to make any statements, but I have a feeling that he, he could be special in this defense. No, Frank, you were definitely on to it early. I think from the the first time we saw him play, the Tennessee game, I think it was. Um, or was it the Denver? I know the, the Tennessee game was like his breakout game. Uh, but I know he had been seeing some snaps prior to that. Uh, I think even in the Denver game. But you had been on to it early that hey, this this kid could be special, man. And and uh I definitely give kudos to you for that because you know, I thought about you know, at the time, like, you know, yeah, I mean, he's athletic as, as all hell, but he's got, he's got a lot to learn. And like, this isn't like a kid that hasn't started in this league before. Like, I mean, he was a fourth round pick of Jacksonville, like, you know, was given, you know, 
a pretty long leash there in terms of how long he was able to to be on that roster to make himself a player. Uh, so to see the traits, I, I wasn't surprised to see traits, but to see the, the steps that he's taken, you know, this season from that Tennessee game up until now, uh, what he's been able to do next to CJ Mosley as that inside, that starting inside linebacker, he just brings another dynamic there. His speed is like legitimately game changing uh, there in your front seven. So I think he's he's been phenomenal, man. Yeah, and and he's not a young player, but Ronnie Blair had a good game. He had six tackles, three for loss. Now, I didn't realize he was like a little energy ball. Like he he gets he he gets after it, and that that was cool to see. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, we talk about this D line rotation a lot, and there's it's it's one of the deepest positions on this team, and it's kind of why we we expect so much out of them. You know, every weekend and week out, uh, you know, Ronnie Blair, he was a ball of energy. Uh, obviously, we saw JFM have the the big man interception. All I'm saying, though, man, is when are we going to get somebody? I know Neesman had, I think Neesman, Ashton Davis have have interceptions, but like, can we get a corner with a pick like Michael Carter, uh, Bryce Hall, Jav Gidry? Could you guys get your hands on a ball, uh, please? Or maybe a, an inside linebacker or something. What about JFM? I'm saying JFM is it's all D. I mean JFM, JFM and uh, between JFM and Shaq Lawson, the defensive linemen are tied with the safeties for the league for the team lead in interceptions. Like that is not a good look. That was a hell of a play though by JFM, man. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. It was funny, man. Bianca was watching and she's just like, he's slow. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a quick man. No, not a quick man. I'm sure he was quicker uh, 50 pounds ago, but uh, JFM, you were super athletic, and we, and we love what you do, man. Uh, but let's talk about the offense, man. We talked about the defense. I think this might be the first time that we've actually talked about the defense more than the offense to, to start of the show. But that's because there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Uh, Zach Wilson, in his return, was less than spectacular, to say the least. 14 of 24, 145 passing yards. No passing touchdowns and interception was sacked four times. Uh, did have his first the first rushing touchdown of his career uh, on a, on a, a goal line carry where he you know did sh- you know did get around two defenders there, which was you know good athletic move to see by him. Uh, but you know you and I were talking off air, Frank. I did not. I thought that Zach Wilson played poorly. Um, you know I'm not going to say that. And and you know we've I've heard this seen this floating around on Twitter, right? Like you follow, you can follow Frank on Twitter at Frankie bots with a Z. Follow me on Twitter at JR football nerd, but you know, looking around jets, Twitter, the con like, if you say Zach Wilson played poorly yesterday, people are going to come down your neck talking about, Oh, you think this kid's a bust? Like he's only played like six games. And I'm like, no, he, he's not a, but like he can play, he could have played poorly yesterday and still not be a bust. Like, that's okay. But Jets Twitter's going on both sides. Like it is it is crazy right now. You you can't you can't pick one side or the other or you're going to get came for. Like it, it's it's getting crazy right now. Both sides are I think both sides need to take a deep breath, right? Like both can be true that this kid is not playing out of this world. 
No, he's not playing. He's not playing good. <laughs> I think that's the discussion, right? Like, like it's clear. Yeah. He's, no, he's you're right. Not he's not. He's role. not. He's not playing well. But he is just a rookie, and I think Jet fans refuse to give any Jets quarterback that was selected high in the draft the benefit of the doubt because we've been burned so many times when you talk about Browning Nagel, Ken O'Brien, Chad Pennington, Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold, right? Yeah, I mean, just even looking in recent history, right? Like Mark Sanchez was drafted in 09, put on a pedestal. You know, we, you know, or not, sorry, not 09. Yeah, he was drafted in 09. Drafted in 09, was put on this this pedestal. Like the Jets finally get their savior. He you know, nicknamed the Sam, the Sam Chai's, like all these things, back-to-back AFC championship games, but he never became that guy, right? And then Sam Darnold, right? There was all this pedigree, all this kid's the next Andrew Luck, or, you know, the bit, the best thing since Andrew Luck, all these all these things, right? And he s- slips to three, and the Jets, the, you know, the football gods have mercy on Jets and the Jets fans, and, like, look, look what's happened, right? So, like, I think Jet fans – have been burned by this so many times where like I told you this, this is how personally like I feel. And you know how I felt about Zach Wilson before the process. I mean, everyone who's listened to this knows how I felt about Zach Wilson before the process. Like he was always three for me, right? He was always like, you know, in that for both of us, for both of us, right. For both of us. So like, and that's not to say I don't like Zach Wilson because I like Zach Wilson a lot, right? And I went into the process thinking, like, I wasn't going to like Zach Wilson. And I go into it coming out, having watched the film, like, wow, this kid is really good. Like, there's a lot of good stuff here. But there's also a lot of things that you knew that he was going to have to work on. So I don't sit here and say, like, yo, he hasn't played well to say I think the kid sucks. But I also say that Zach Wilson is going to have to prove to me that he is going to be – like I'm going to need I'm going to need to see tangible evidence that Zach Wilson can be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Like I'm going to need to see it, it's not going to be just a it can't be just a drive. It can't be just one game. It's got to be like consecutive weeks of of good play. And it, it might not come this year, right? There's no guarantee it comes this year. Maybe it comes next year. But even if we get something like I think Jet fans right now would die for what Sam Darnold did at the end of his rookie season, right? If Zach Wilson gives us something like the, if he finishes his rookie season, the way Sam Darnold finished his rookie season with those games against, you know, finishing against Buffalo, uh, Houston, there was the, uh, the green Bay game. And then obviously new England, which we know how that turned out. Um, But if Zach Wilson could put together three games like that, I think Jet fans will come out of this season feeling much better about him and his future going forward. I agree, but I'm not I'm not there. I don't agree with that. Like so Sam Darnold had four great games, but what did it lead towards the next year? And I know the Jets didn't help him by hiring Adam Gaze who the quote unquote quarterback whisperer, but that's either that's neither here or there. I would rather see how the Jets are doing it now where where you've had Salah say when he was drafted, you're not going to have to lift us up. We're going to lift you up. Like, 
I don't, I don't think they view Zach as a savior. Like maybe some fans did and maybe some other people because it's the Jets thought this kid was going to be the savior, but how they're calling plays, how, how they're building the team. Like you could, you could see that the Jets are making a concerted effort to put a brick wall around Zach Wilson with the drafting of Becton with the, with the drafting of Elijah Vera Tucker, with bringing in Moses, with the trade for Duvernay, like there's a there's an effort by Joe Douglas to build a brick wall and then have playmakers around him. Talk about Corey Davis. Talk about Elijah Moore. Talk about Keelan Cole. And then the play calling. You know, a lot of RPOs, a lot of screens. You know, a lot of end arounds to Elijah Moore. Like I think they're trying to make the offense as explosive as po- as possible. In the meantime, making it as quarterback friendly as possible. You know, that's what, right? Isn't that, that what we heard that this offense was tailor made for a player like Zach Wilson? I just, I just don't think it's going to come right away. And you know what? I, I, I take that. I will take that. And I think as jet fans, when we are drafting so high, we have, too high of expectations for what these quarterbacks could be. Like you talked about D- DJ, who's a friend of the show. He made a comparison to a quarterback in this, in this league who mean you are pretty high on, but you would, you would thought that Jets Twitter was going to have a heart attack when DJ said th- that he thinks this is Zach ceiling. Yeah, I mean, the name that you didn't name is Derek Carr, but uh, Derek Carr, you know, Jet fans were told that that was ceiling by New York Daily News reporter DJ Biennemi, and they were sent in an uproar about this. Uh, I don't think that that's a bad comparison to make. Uh, I actually told you, Frank, that when Derek Carr came out in 2014, or was it 20? I think it was 2014 when Derek Carr came out, I comped him to Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, people make the comparison of of Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers. Like obviously, there's a play style perspective that that comes into that, and then you're trying to project what this person could be at the next level. I don't hate that comparison at all. But back to the original point, Frank, I do think that I'm not saying like obviously there's no bearing on what it'll mean for Zach Wilson's career and how he finishes the the season. You know, similar to Sam Darnold, or even we saw. Geno Smith do something similar his rookie year. Um, I think what it does, though, is it gives you confidence, right? Like, it gives you confidence. Like, it stops as a Jet fan. You're not, like, projecting anymore. As a Jet fan, you're like, well, no. Like, these – look at these games where he played well. Like, and then you have the trust of the coaching staff. Like, this is a much better situation that Zach Wilson is in than Sam Darnold was in. Right. Like you don't have a promising offensive weapon to look to like you like you do with Elijah Moore. You don't have potentially your running back of the future in Michael Carter. You don't have your left tackle of the future next to your, you know, next to, a you know, your left guard of the future um, and potentially, you know, potentially even more upgrades to be had on the offensive line. You don't have Mike LaFleur who, you know. If I'm when I meet Michael Four, I'm gonna have to apologize for all the crap that I talked about him for the first three weeks. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Hey, not just me. 
No, I was I was there. I was there too. I was right on board yeah, with you. Okay. So you'll be right there next to me when I'm yeah, apologizing. Yeah, of course. We're both we're gonna apologize as a show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, you know, he's he's made fantastic strides. And so when you look at what he's been able to do, uh, and you combine that with the, you know, hey, look at this next year. You're gonna have your starting quarterback, your starting running back, your starting wide receiver all in the same offense for the second year in a row. And you couldn't have said that about Sam Darnold and company uh, back in 20, uh, 2018 going into 2019. So on that being said, I mean, what were your, some of your favorite, um, I guess I'll just say this, like my favorite thing from Mike LaFleur on Sunday was the end around to Elijah Moore on fourth and one, because you needed a play and we talk about all the time like you know uh Adam Gase right he talks about oh my system my system like i need players for my system and in a in a play in a game where you needed this fourth down to close out the cl- like close it out and win this game potentially like there's no secret sauce that <laughs> that uh Mike LaFleur is looking to no secret play he goes who's my best player Who's my best player on the field right now? Who's gonna who who gives us the best opportunity to convert this fourth and one? And he does he does he chooses to just an easy end around to Elijah Moore. I thought it was fantastic, uh, and you know just continuing to show uh, the growth and maturation of of offensive coordinator Michael Floor. Absolutely, I have I have two plays that really stood out to me. Uh, one's not really Lafleur. One is actually Coach Sala, but. The uh, the two point conversion I thought was pretty uh, was pretty cool to see right. You bring in Josh Johnson and you have Zach Wilson going out wide and then you run a QB. I guess it's a QB sneak, but more like a QB draw. It was like a read option. They ran yeah. read option, but I think Josh Johnson made the wrong read. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. He did. But he said, "I'm getting this. I don't get a game that often. I'm gonna I'm gonna make mine count." Which is cool as long as you get in right. And then what I thought was really cool was me and you last week talked about analytics when it came to our kicking game. And I don't, I think it was the second, the second fourth down where they're coming out of a timeout and Sala called another timeout because he wanted to get the offense onto the field. No, I think was it they they call the timeout and then then they're gonna go for it, but then they get a delay a game. Yep, that's what happened. <laughs> and then you're like, seriously? But then they go for it anyway. <laughs> and you're like, yes, because we had been talking about last week, like, yo, I mean, the chances of you converting this with your offense has got to be higher at this point than. Then Amendola hitting a 50-yard kick. And I think he only, you know, maybe he listened. Maybe he was like, I'm giving Amendola one more chance because they literally watched him miss the field goal. And it was he pushed just, it, he pushed it left this time. He didn't hook it right. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, bro, you have one job, bro. Just make the kick. And it just upsets me that they continued to go back to him. It's like, is his roster spot for like 
is it like a pity party? Like, I don't get it. Like, why do we feel the need to keep this kid on the roster? Like, he's not Rudy or anything, right? Like, like there should be a, another kicker out there that can hit field goals such as this one. The Washington football team lost a kicker. Guess what? They signed a new one today. No telling if he's any good, but you got to bring him in to find out. Well, we do have one on the practice squad. Well, is he any good? Because he can't be worse. I mean, he must be because they sit there and they watch both of them kick in practice every day. And for whatever reason, well, Sal- Salah talked about how Amendola is a rookie and he's still getting his feet underneath him. He's getting better. Yeah, you know, typical Salah, getting better every day, getting better every day. You know, there's that. Salah's optimism is. So annoying in September and October, November. <laughs> but you Check. love it in the off season. Oh, in the off season, it's great. But when they're three and eight, like, go kick rocks, bro. Uh, but, but but he did he did talk about like he directed when he was on the Michael K show. He directed, um, like part of it to the Jets fans and said that. Jeff fans are going to appreciate the good time so much more because of what we're going through right now. Don't tell, don't, don't talk about the labor. Show me the baby, bro. I know, but you got to go through the labor first. Huh? Yeah, I know. But I, bro, I told you it's going to, it was going to get worse before it got better. Yeah, that, that was, that was Adam Gase. You remember that, right? I mean, this is better technically, right? The Jets have, more wins in November than they did all last year. So, and it looks better. It look, it just looks better. Sometimes like it passes that. No, it <laughs> it passes the eye test. Like when Sometimes. you when you sit down and watch this team, right? Especially the offense, you don't see Frank Gore running the ball twenty times. You see plays to Elijah Moore. You see plays to Michael Carter before he got hurt. You see this kid Walter who had a good game, had scored a touchdown. Like you see sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say oh, you're gonna talk about P Ryan, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a smile, I knew it. I was gonna say Austin Walter. We get an Austin Walter sighting before Michael Pira. Uh, he's getting cut in the offseason. I don't know why he hasn't been cut already. They need a fullback. We we like we should have Josh Adams and we don't because we decided that we were gonna hold on to Michael Pira. Yeah. But go ahead, carry on. I'm sorry. No, when Frank was wrong. It's okay. <laughs> No, it's when Joe Douglas was wrong, right? Yeah. That's really what it is because I hated that draft pick the moment it was made. And I, there was never, there's never been a moment where I've been sold on it. I hear you. But I got to say, John, I was happy with Connor McGovern this week. Wow. Uh, Connor McGovern, if you're listening, stop what you're doing, go buy a lottery ticket or something. Because this is your lucky day. Because Frank, not not a huge fan of you. So for him to say this, it must mean you you must have done something good on Sunday, brother. So when we're 
John, when we were talking about our doing our previews of the offensive line right after the Jets signed Moses, and we were hoping that Moses potentially could slide over to right guard, I told you that I don't think McGovern's a bad center or a bad offensive lineman. I just don't think he's going to elevate someone around him. And we talked about the problem with having a broken start is that you have a severely below average right guard next to probably an average to maybe a little bit below average guard. And Duvernay played for a guy that has only played two games in two years. I thought he played really well. It seems like he's kind of settled this often the middle of this offensive line a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the best, the best, compliment you can give to an offensive line lineman is uh, to not call their name on Sundays. And I, you wouldn't even know Laurent Duvernay Tardif was even on the field. You would have zero idea because they never talk about him. You know who they did talk about a lot? Craig Van Rowen. And you know whose name you don't hear anymore? Craig Van Rowen. Because he's not on the field. And it's awesome. So, uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Shout out to you. Appreciate what you've been doing. You've been uh, killing it on the uh, offensive line there and uh, making the offenses day much better. So hopefully Zach Wilson, the only Jets quarterback to not have a 300-yard day. Not really. Joe Flacco didn't either. But I like to say it because it'll make maybe give, some, give him a sense of urgency here. But. Obviously, we have gone a little bit we're not really not over because we try to keep it under an hour, so we're still doing good on time. But we'll move on to this next segment, which is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, You'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on, on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still get it on still get still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It was rocky at the beginning, but as jo- as Robert Sala said, you'll be for- you were fortunate for the end because you had the beginning and uh, my hooked on phonics mishap a few weeks back. We weren't going to say it, but I said it, so it's all good. I thought you did a great job, John. Oh, 
thanks. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. Don't lie to me. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. And like I said, this segment is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. And this line here on the Jets game is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, where the New York Jets are at home in MetLife Stadium, where the Philadelphia Eagles will actually be traveling to MetLife for the second week in a row, as they were there last week, facing off against the New York Giants. But the Jets here are six and a half point underdogs at home with a game that has a 45 point total. Uh, in terms of some injuries, um, Keelan Cole was added to the COVID list. So he joins Denzel Mims, who's already there. So the Jets receiving core getting a little bit weaker uh, here as we you know get f- farther into the season. Obviously, we know Corey Davis. He missed last week's game with a groin injury. So uh, hopefully he can get back in. But it seems like the Jets are kind of hurting at, rec- at the receiver position right now. Uh, for the Eagles, it seems like quarterback Jalen Hurts is potentially questionable as he's dealing with a sore ankle. I find it hard to believe that he doesn't play. I mean, my man finished the game, uh, and if it's a low ankle sprain as opposed to the high ankle sprain that we, we, we've seen Kyler Murray dealing with, I would 100 expect him, 100% expect him to play in this game. So all these things being said, Frank, what are your thoughts on this matchup here against the Eagles, and how did the Jets fare uh, against this six and a half point spread? I think that spread's a little high. Like the Eagles aren't, Eagles aren't a very good football team. Jalen Hurts is a good football player, but they don't run the ball well, particularly well, which is pretty much has been the Jets' Achilles' heel all all year long. Uh, Rieger's okay, but he had those two horrendous drops yesterday. Like, the one drop in the end zone he had against the Giants, his eyes were closed when the ball was there. I don't know if you saw it, but I saw the replay. I was like, "How? what are you doing? Like, you're a professional wide receiver. Keep your, keep your eyes open. With that being said... The offense scares me this week because Zach Wilson has a tendency to play hero ball, and he's coming back home, and if he doesn't come out of the gates firing, I have a feeling that the Boo Birds are going to be out. But I will take the Jets to cover. Yeah, this this game's interesting, right? Because the Eagles are not a good team, um, like you like you previously mentioned. Uh, they are five and seven. They just lost to the New York Giants, who <clears throat> we know aren't a great team, aren't a good team either. Um, and and when you look at the NFL just in general, like it's a matchup league, right? It's not necessarily. Oh, this team is exponentially better than that team, which in some cases that is actually the fact. But in a lot of cases, it's how do you match up with the with this other team? And so when you look at the Eagles, right? Like how are they built? They're built their their offense is uh, they have a mobile quarterback. They're going to run a lot of you know plays, design quarterback runs, 
some uh, boot action, uh, but how's their pass game built, right? Like, and when you look at their pass game and how that operates, it really only runs through two players, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith. I think the Jets can handle Devontae Smith. Um, you know, I, I don't think he, I don't think him alone uh, could really give the Jets that much trouble. The Jets have struggled against tight ends, so maybe they could, maybe they struggle against, struggle a little bit against Dallas Goddard. I do think that Jalen Hurts will give the Jets trouble with his legs. Um, you know, this defense, if you look at what it's done against mobile quarterbacks, just even uh, going back to Salah, what he's what they've done against mobile quarterbacks, if you look at their, you know, it's it's not good. If you look at what they've done against Russell Wilson, you look at what they've done against Kyler Murray, uh, you look at what they've done, you know, even in our own division, what they've done against Josh Allen, um, it's not it's not a good track record. And so I, I think that they could have some trouble here against uh, against Jalen Hurts on the defensive side of the ball. Although the D-line, right, when you bring a D-line like the Jets have to a party, you can wreck any game. And, so, And Bryce Huff should play this week. That would be a huge boost for them to give them another uh, athletic presence, uh, another speed presence off the edge. Well, another. It would give them one speed presence off the edge. <laughs> but... Um, you have to, so just, you know, I think the D line gives you a chance for sure. Um, again, I think Quincy Williams, if he's, you know, assuming he's going to be healthy, which I think he obviously will be, uh, and playing, I think he provides a huge advantage with his speed, uh, and, and limiting Jalen hurts in second, uh, secondary, you know, second reaction type plays on the offensive side of the ball. I, I think we do struggle and I think it, you know, Regardless of the home crowd and how hard they are on Zach, I think that Zach is going to struggle here just because you look at this Philadelphia defense and the strength of it is they've been, you know, they their their corners are really good, right? Darius Slay has taken, uh, you know, he's, you know, gone back to that upper echelon play that we're used to seeing from him when he was in Detroit. And so they shut down wide receivers. And so I think Elijah Moore is probably in for for a bit of a down day here um and you know the way that teams have been able to really pass the ball against philadelphia has been the tight end position jets ain't got one of those what's what's a tight end (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not looking pretty uh on top of that you consider what they have you know obviously Philadelphia's D line is is uh is respectable, so I think that obviously the the Jets' offensive line might have their hands full in, in, in conjunction with what Zach Wilson will be facing in the secondary. So I think it'll be a slow day. Uh, the line of six and a half. I think I think the Jets do cover it. Um, I think they get a strong performance potentially from the defense here. Uh, I think that they'll they'll struggle with Jalen Hurts at some points. Uh, and he'll make, but I think they'll make enough plays on the defensive side of the ball to keep this game close. Uh, but I don't think there will be a lot of points scored in this game at all. No, probably not. I think both offenses are going to struggle a bit. I think it's going to come down if the Jets can stop Jalen Hurts' running ability. And if they can, they'll probably win the game. If they can't, they'll probably lose the game. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, 
All right, Frank. Did you pick? Did you pick? Yeah, I picked the Jets to cover. Oh, okay. I I had a brain fart. My apologies. It's okay. Um, who's your lock, Frank? Do you want to guess who my lock is? Let me guess. You're picking Arizona over Chicago. Yep, that is my lock of the week. Lock it up. La la lock it up. Well, I'm going to. Oh man, this is good. This is ugly. I'm I'm staying in state, but I'm also going to go to our division. So, Miami Dolphins take on the New York Giants. Daniel Jones is not playing. The Dolphins are five-point favorites. The Dolphins have actually been playing some good football. They're five and seven right now. They kind of can make this push for a wild card spot, like outside chance here. So they're playing a win. Uh, you got to beat this Giants team. That's not very good. They're so bad. So uh, give me give me the Dolphins to cover five. That's a smart bet. That's a smart bet. It's what we do on this show. Smart decisions only. Famous last words there. <laughs> you know that's going to bite you in the butt. <laughs> Some way, somehow, it will. It will find a way to creep back into this week. Hey, remember when you said smart decisions only? Psych. <laughs> but, um, yes, your boy will be in the stands for this game here. So, uh, if you are in MetLife, come check me out, you know, whatever. Section 129. What's up? But that being said, love you. We appreciate you. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, as you can see, I gained a couple pounds or two. But until next time, y'all, hopefully it's another victory. Maybe. We'll catch y'all later. Peace. Thank you.